Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast, where we believe in going far by going together. Hey, what is up, podcast family? I am so excited to share this episode with you. I jump on a call with Matt Myers, who is the co-founder of active lifestyle brand M22, which started in Traverse City, Michigan. They sell adventure-inspired apparel with the iconic M22 logo on it, and of course, on our amazing camp cups. We get really real real quick and talk about how in 2012 he was diagnosed with a rare form of skull and spine cancer and given just two to five years to live, but went through an aggressive and rare surgery to remove the tumor and is now four years later cancer free. It's an incredible episode full of finding your purpose and clarity one finds in a life or death circumstance. So I hope you enjoy this episode as I sit down with Matt Myers. Well, hey, Matt, welcome welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. We're excited to um, just have a conversation about your incredible business, your life, um, what gets you, you know, your blood flowing and, and all the crazy things that you that you do out in Michigan um, and around the world. And uh, just really appreciate the business as a customer uh, with us. We love the, the work you all do and, and really appreciate you helping us empower people around the world. So first off, thanks for, for being a customer. Uh, well, of course, yeah, and thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So we'd love to, um, you know, at a high level, um, I kind of know what M22 is, but I think people, you know, who are from Michigan, uh, first off, tell us the brand and then kind of give us the, the, the thought process behind the name. So, yeah, M22, it's, um, it's a business my brother and I started back in, um, started the business in like 2004 or five. Nice. And it been like super organic grassroots style. Uh, we were just out of college and really in the kiting, like kiteboarding was our thing. And um, kiteboarding was just really hitting the United States. We had spent the previous summer in Europe sleeping on the beach between uh, Porto Polo, Sardinia and Tarifa, Spain. Oh, like, wow. Drag style, but just living super simple out of our tent. Just kiting every day. That's all we wanted to do was kite. And there at the time, the kiting was you know kind of a hot spot. Europe's really where the sport was born. Yeah. So we're fully immersed with all these guys that were just way more dialed in than anybody in the States. So we we did that for the, in the summer of 2002, and then we came back home to Michigan, and it was like looking – through a, a different pair of glasses or something like mission was totally different to us now because we were surrounded by all this beautiful fresh water there's no people it's always windy here <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just like oh my gosh our home is amazing yeah it's great so anyways we graduated college neither of us wanted to go um work in an office right away that was just kind of who we were and how we were raised and we just wanted to go kiting. So as we're kiting out in all these different spots um, up here off of M22, people would come up to us and be like, what is that? And how do I learn how to do that? <laughs> and we were just, you know, my brother and I remember the first guy we taught to kite. We met him on the beach. We're like, well, I guess we can teach you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we taught this guy on a kite board and he ended up being a, uh, a brewer, a home brewer. So he had us over to his house afterwards and we had a couple beers and like he gave us dinner. And I remember leaving that night, driving home with Keegan being like, this is what we're going to do. That's so rad. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we just, we were always out on M22 kiting and, um, you know, creating this sort of this core little group, the scene. And 
we made these shirts, these M22 shirts, because we're always out on M22. It's a highway that's uh, not really a highway, but a you know a really pretty road that that circles around the Lino Peninsula. And we just made them for our kiting surfing buddies, and uh, we handed them out to our friends. Never sold any of them or anything. And and a couple of years later, Travers the magazine, which is like a local magazine up here, did a story on our kiteboarding school. And they, Keegan happened to be wearing one of the M22 shirts on the, um, for the photo shoot, not even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. But that got it out there. They put that photo on the cover along with the kiting story and this like, cool life we were living, this alternative life. Yeah. And it resonated. It worked. And people were like, this is really cool. I want to be a part of this. I like the simple design. Yeah. You know, the M22 logo is super simple. And uh, yeah, it just snowballed from there. So that's oh, kind of the background of how it how it happened. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you so it sounds like you were on the ground floor of kiting in the U.S. I mean, two thousand four. It's like I still. I mean, that's like super OG. <laughs> yeah, we were for sure. And I remember the first Red Bull King of the Air competition was down in Lower Michigan, and we drove our van down there. Um, and I don't know, maybe like 40 people showed up and these guys flew in from Sky Solbach was like the main guy then flew in from Bone Air, the island. And these guys came from out near you, like Hood River, all the Nash guys flew in and we didn't know anybody, but we just showed up and people are like, who are these two guys from Michigan? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're kiting and, and we were sleeping in our van. Like they just got a kick out of it. And it happened. We ended up meeting the editor of Kiteboarding Magazine at that um, event. And he just liked our, our vibe or whatever we were doing and invited us down to their headquarters in, in uh, Orlando, Florida. And we flew down there and started a relationship with Kiteboarding Magazine. They hired us to work as editors at large for their magazine. So that was like a whole, the whole next level where they sent us then all around you know, oh, wow. writing stories and competing and whatnot. Oh, very cool. So you're, so you're competing and, um, I don't imagine there's a ton of money in kiteboard competitions, <laughs> but I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, you definitely do it. It's not for the money, but yeah, yeah. teaching like the school business aspect of it was all right for us. Like it, okay. Yeah. It, our student loans with it and we, you know, oh, solid. Had enough money. We, we went to Puerto Rico every winter for the, for the full winter. We did kiteboarding camps there. So I, it's like a combo of anything you choose in life. We're doing what we like to do. Yeah. We believe just like what you're doing. So it's, totally. it's all good. Even if you're not making a bunch of money, it's, that's not really what it's about. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that's, I love that, that you guys like went the organic route and you just figured it out and then you piece it together. And if you're ultimately committed to something, you can make it work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, when you, it's kind of funny, like what you can actually do if you just commit to it. The hardest part is just committing to it. But then once you're in, you're like, oh, I gotta figure out how to build a website because I'm not gonna pay a guy five thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's so funny. I actually, I actually taught myself how how to code because I remember we wanted to do this. Like, so early on, we had this idea that we were gonna have people like vote on designs that were gonna go in the bottles. But this like quote came back and someone was going to charge us like 20 grand to build this website and Facebook had just uh, just launched their whole like button, you know, like we could like stuff around the Internet it would post up on your newsfeed and all that stuff. And so I was like, well, why don't we just like put the like button next to people's submissions and whoever has the most Facebook likes at the end of it 
will win, you know, and, and people were like, okay. And then, you know, and then the benefit was that people liked it and they went to their Facebook page. So other people came and voted and it was one of those oh, things perfect. where, yeah, yeah, you know, like learning about iframes and, you know, all this stuff and totally <laughs> hacking it. And <laughs> yeah, we do. That's like one of the coolest parts about working for yourself, those figuring all that stuff out. I love that. Oh yeah, totally. So you got, so you kind of, so you kind of started it in 2004. When did, when did you, uh, I mean, you didn't really quit a day job because you didn't have a day job, which is rad. Um, <laughs> when, when, when did you, did you transition from like coaching? you know kiteboarding to like actually running the m22 brand you know more full-time or what was that transition like yeah so um we were in the kiteboarding heyday like it had a boom of course where it, you know people started seeing it and everybody wanted to learn how to do it we're close enough to some big cities like chicago detroit cincinnati where people would drive up to traverse city to learn how to do this and we had a really good run for for probably 10 years of all in. And it, I mean, it is intense though. Like yeah, people want to make fun of us, but after teaching kiting all day long, all weekend, like five days a week, you're pretty spent afterwards. Cause it's oh, a sure. lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You're in the wind and eat. I mean, just oh, standing yeah. in the wind all day is exhausting. <laughs> and a lot of times you're in the cold and I mean, it, it's great and everything, but um, it is, it's hard work. And we had a really good team of coaches and whatnot um it was awesome but the at the same time we were teaching kiting this m22 happened this m22 business and <clears throat> it started requiring more work and more thought and more time on my brother and I's side yeah. so we just kind of naturally progressed over to that and working on that business and and, and helping that grow and Kind of what ultimately happened is in 2012, I was um, diagnosed with a, a rare brain tumor. Mm. So that like kind of put the brakes on a lot of the stuff. And I really um, had to like stop and focus on what's the best thing to put my time and energy into right now. And that ended up being M22. So that's kind of where we ended up putting our energy for the past six years, really. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I was reading about that and, um, hits super close to home. My, my wife just lost her mom to pancreatic cancer about three weeks ago. Um, you know, and it's just like, you know, I lost my uncle to cancer and you know, it's, it's so debilitating and, um, and just, I mean, it's real, right? Like, I feel like everybody knows somebody with cancer now. And so for you to go through that is just unbelievable and to come out on the other side is so cool. Um, which, which I'm curious, like what changed for you, you know, like, you know, when you got diagnosed, what was, it sounds like the prognosis was not good, right? Yeah. So what I was diagnosed with, it's called chordoma. It's, um, it's a rare form of cancer that occurs in either your spine or the base of your skull. And there's a few things that that's tricky about this is one thing like happening at the base of your skull is essentially your body's most valuable real estate. Yeah. Because everything runs out of there, yeah. It's you know the the tumor. It's a it's a bone cancer, so it actually comes out of the bone and um, grows up into your brain. And it's you know your optical nerves. It surrounds your optical nerves, your basilar artery, your carotid artery, your spinal cord. Basically, all the stuff that really matters to control your body. So, for me, that was the hardest thing to just try and understand. Was like, why is it there? Yeah. get to there is so tricky so and it's it's also it's a very commonly reoccurring tumor so that that doesn't make it any easier when 
once they get into your your head and they cut you open and they get in there, you need to make sure that they're getting everything out, which means they will cut your optical nerves if they need to because it's worth it. So like you go into the surgery sort of as a Hail Mary, like I might wake up in my life, like if I wake up, my life could potentially be very different. Right. So you could literally wake up and not have vision. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, when they cut your optical nerves, like, so what happened with me is the tumor got to the size and was pushing on my optical nerve and caused double vision. So we knew it was around my optical nerve already. So what the surgeon will say is if it pulls off of your nerve easy, awesome. If it's wrapped around your nerve and I can't get it out, we might have to snip that and your eye might be done. So there's, you know, but that's just one of the pieces of the complication that you could have. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really wild experience and that definitely like, you know, I had a little bit of an awakening after that of, yeah, for sure. Just my relationship with time and just like what's important to you and whatnot. So yeah. and, and the fact I still live with it every day mentally because yeah, it's, uh, it is something that can come back. I don't think it's going to, but yeah. it, it, in a, in a awkward, like in a weird, and now I look at it as a gift because mm. it has like shown me a different, a new way of living and a new way of looking at things. So, yeah, no, I can, I can definitely relate. I had, um, you know, I had a, um, I didn't have cancer, but I had a similar life and death experience. It was pretty somewhat dramatic where I was skiing, um, hit a tree, broke my femur. And when you break your femur in half, you can essentially sever your femoral artery and and bleed yeah. to death internally in about 10 minutes. And so 2006, I had this kind of like life or death experience where I was leaning, I was against this tree and unfortunately like ignorance is bliss, right? So for me, I was against this tree broke my femur and my roommate had done something similar three years earlier and, or I think it was maybe two years earlier, but he, um, he came back from the hospital. He had survived and he said, Hey, if you break your femur, you can actually bleed to death internally in 10 minutes. And so fast forward two years, I break my femur. I'm like, Holy cow. Like I could literally die in 10 minutes. And so I had this very clarifying life moment in my life where, you know, it it put everything into perspective. My now wife, we were dating for three years. I was like, I got to marry her if I live from this. And then I thought about my funeral and I realized that nobody, it was really a cutting moment for me and a life changing moment. And, um, like you said, it was, it was, you know, I look back at it and it's, uh, I don't wish this upon anybody cause it's, it's so painful, but I, I view it as a gift in the sense that my perspective on life was changed so quickly and so fast, um, and really wanted to use my life to help, you know, empower people around me and, and use my business and my skills, you know, to make the world better. And, um, you know, not in the sense of look at me, I'm doing good, but man, my life, like, I'm so lucky to have this life. I should, I should definitely be using this for, for more than just me, you know? Oh man. What you just said, spot on. Yeah. Totally agree with everything you said. Yeah. Well, so what, uh, wow, that's man, that's crazy. I feel like we're, we're brothers in a, in a sense of life and death. <laughs> what's uh like what what changed for you like like were you dating were you you know like your brother like what what changed in your in your life you know so um i was engaged at the time and to my dream girl yeah and uh you know i i was i remember sitting in the um the first neurosurgeon we met i remember sitting in his his cold crappy office <laughs> I got my brother on one side, he's my best friend, my fiance on the other, and the guy looks at my scans and he puts his hands in the air and he says, 
surgery would be crazy. You got two to five years. I, I, I will never forget that day. It was like the darkest day of my life. But <clears throat> at the same time, that lit a fire under us of like, bull crap, it's 2012. I'm not going to listen to this guy. Yeah. There's got to be more options out there. And so what changed for me was one thing was this realization that you're your own advocate. Mm. Like you are here alone and you have to figure these things out on your own. Like if you're, when you're sick and you have whatever it is, you have cancer or you're hurt or whatever has happened, you're your own advocate. You have to fight for yourself and make your own decisions. There were a handful of surgeons that wanted to, to operate on me. Every one of them wanted to do it differently. Some of them wanted to give me double craniotomies. Other wanted to go through the front of my face. Others wanted to go through my nose. There was no, there was no one set way of doing it. And it really made me realize anybody that's going through anything, any type of cancer treatment, there's always going to be options. And you have to educate yourself and become your own advocate and really <clears throat> take it into your own hands. Wow. So that sort of sense has translated into my life now and everything I do and food I eat and what I think about the thoughts I put in my head, um, all that stuff, it's, it's translated over. So, Oh, that's such, Oh, that's, that's such a powerful lesson of like, you, you are your own advocate. I mean, that's so accurate in so many things. And, and it's, 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 it's tough on one hand that sometimes it takes us getting cancer or hitting a tree or having these kind of traumatic experiences. But if there's like anything that our listeners or people that, you know, listen to this or, or see what you're doing at M22 or us at Mir is that, man, being your own advocate is so important. If you just, if you think you're just going through life and bump it along, like you are, you are in charge of what you eat, you are in charge of working out. And, and to the point of, I've heard so many people go and get diagnosis and they go and get a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion, and they're all different, right? So <laughs> it's important to be your own advocate because nobody is going to care more about you than you. I mean, like, right? Like, and that, and that, that to me stresses the importance of loving yourself and, and really what you put in your head. And, and that is that mental health and stability is so important. Uh, you know, sure, our parents love us and, and they're definitely there, but they're not in it with you every single day. They're not in your head. Right. So how did you, how did you make that decision? Like, how did you filter that, that, that really, I mean, you're not a doctor, but you're in charge of you and you've got all these different opinions and you know, it's different outcomes. How did you filter that? It was freaky because these surgeons were calling me like on their lunch break and in their car rides home. These are like world renowned brain surgeons. And I'm just like, this is really wild. I mean, that told, it also like just told me the dire situation I was in. These guys found such interest in this and, um, <clears throat> How I navigated it, I don't know. I think it was, a lot of it was just talking to people and feeling them, like feeling it out. And the surgeon that I ultimately met with, that I chose to do the surgery, it was, I knew almost right away when I met the guy. He's, mm. he's like this 38-year-old who's young and he's just tall, just healthy, strong. Like, I, I just loved his presence. Yeah, and you know, the way he described things to me as to exactly what he would do, you know, for the eight eight or so hours, someone's in my head. I need to pick a guy that's got the best concentration, it's got the cleanest, you know, sharpest hands. It's going to do the best work, and it was more everything he said just made the most sense to me. Like just in practical, the way he was going to go in and try and remove this thing, it made sense to me. And uh, and I liked him. A lot of it was I. I liked him as a person and what he said and how 
you know, he felt around me. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's, I think the, the world and people are getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea of like energy and bonding. And, you know, I think before people are like energy, that's kind of woo woo, you know? And, but I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, call it energy, call it chemistry. It's kind of like why people, you know, why you were with your dream girl and why I met, you know, my wife and how we connected. And I think that is, I think some people underestimate that power of, man, if you, if your gut doesn't initially give you good signs, like you got to pay attention to that. And then finding that person, you know, and really connecting that, that energy is really powerful and look at the outcome, right? No question. And I mean, it translates into everything and you know, this just as much as I do, but you have that same intuition with your business. You have that same intuition with new products you bring in. You have the same intuition with a new marketing idea, whatever it is, you've got that connection with what you're doing is, I think being aware of that connection and nurturing it and just being aware of it really is, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it does more than, than we give it credit for. <laughs> totally. And I think, you know, I think the hard part for me has been to filter out a lot of the other noise, whether it's, yeah. you know, schedules or, um, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but like, you know, making sure that you spend time with your kids and, and not like, just going down the funnel of social media and Instagram and, you know, all the things and, um, you know, giving yourself time and space to think. Oh, without, so it's all about clarity, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, it's amazing the time we live in, the information we have everywhere and like we can Google anything and we can figure anything out like by simply pulling a phone out of our pocket. It's, it's unreal. But it's also a moment in time where getting away from that and really thinking about what is important and having the clarity in what you're doing and what you want to be doing and where you want to go and where your time is important. I think it's more important now than ever. Totally. It's like those, those simple truths that have existed for almost, you know, the eternity of, of mankind still ring true and even more so as the distractions increase and as the complexities increase to so always be mindful of that time. Solid out. Yeah. And I find one thing that helps me with that too, is like pretty simple things. Like I, I love to ride my bike. Yeah. I race my bikes and I find I have the best ideas and I, I can really sweep away the junk when I'm there. And, and I, I come away from a ride, a couple hour ride or a run. I love to run too. And I think there's two very simple things to do, but they really make a big difference. And you can do that in anything. Like you're a skier. I'm sure there's plenty of times you're on the lift alone or your backcountry or whatever it is. And you, you things become clear when you're doing stuff like that. Oh, totally. You know, it's one of my checkpoints when I'm, when I'm either like feeling a lot of stress or I'm trying to get through a problem or whatnot and I can't solve it. I look at, you know, how much have I been sleeping? What have I been eating? But usually, usually those are two like relatively um, like in check. They're like pretty balanced. But the the one that I'm always like exercise. Like I'm a fit person, but it's like so easy for me. But I think because I don't like I like I I'm fit, but I don't need to work out a lot. So then I'm like, oh, I don't need to work out, right? And so it like slides, and I don't do it, and then I get in the habit of like not doing it. And then as soon as I get back into like whether it's hiking, running, rowing working out, going to the gym, like those are the times where the clarity really comes back in those, you know, like those 30 minute row sessions on the erg, like it totally sucks, but that's like where the clarity comes. For sure. Well, what you just described, I mean, that's life. That's what we're always like in that struggle sort of. So that's, 
as long as you're aware of it and yeah. <laughs> totally that beautiful struggle really need it. <laughs> yeah yeah oh man that's uh that's those are such good takeaways i think to just to make sure that you're giving yourself time and clarity and, and working out and that looks different for different people but um so it's you know it's 2018 and so you got you were over you kind of you were diagnosed what 2012 and then surgery yeah. that year or the year after or oh uh, yeah i had surgery like uh, first week of February, I was diagnosed January 14th, so three weeks after. And I'm over the five-year mark now, which is a big one. So if you make the first five years, that's that's a big mark. The next five years will be – my surgeon said after 10 years, you can take a breath. Okay, okay. So, so we're halfway there. We're on the good. And I mean, I'm, I'm, per, I'm totally fine. I, I have no, uh, <clears throat> no issues from my surgery. The only thing is they – I did end up doing the surgery through my nose. It's called called endonasal endoscopic surgery, and the only side effect is they they basically remove your sinuses. So I have a lot of boogers. Oh man, <laughs> that's a win! <laughs> it's like none other. <laughs> so you're like always in the car, like at the stoplight, picking your nose. You're like, hey, listen, I don't have sinuses. I'm that guy. I have to, and it, it's to me like. It, my buddies will like see, say something every now and then, like you blow your nose quite a bit. I'm like, I'm all about it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is all I got. I am. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest downside I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's cool. That's oh, it's so good to hear you're doing well. And uh, like, what what like what happened in in uh, like in life? You know, so you had the surgery, and um, you know, business was growing. And how did you kind of balance the time of recovery and growing the business? So at the time, my um, my best friend was working in the oil field. He was like hating life, gone all the time. <clears throat> he grew up, you know, kiting with us, and he knew our whole world really well. And he bailed on what he was doing and came and basically took my position at work. So he was really there for me during that whole time and stepped up and stepped in. And um, he had a great job. You know, he did a, he did a really good job and that kind of that stuck even as I got healthy like he had himself a position there now and um kind of let me see everything from like a 10,000 foot view because yeah. I had a lot of the bases covered and we were at a position where we could afford to hire somebody like that yeah which which I honestly think really helped get us to grow our business to the next level because when you can step away from what you're doing and, and take a look at it from maybe a different angle or just not being involved in the day-to-day grind, it, it, it changes things. So, yeah. um, so for me, that was really good. And I ended up um, getting married and my wife and I built a house. And when I mean we built it, I mean we literally built the house. Like I was the builder. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Did, had you built, have you built before? Um, I, I, my brother and I built a cabin together once and you know, my dad raised us just like knowing how to do everything with our own hands. It's like his way was like, you figure out how to do things. Yeah. Yeah. You change oil in your car, you change your own oil type of mentality. Um, and that's probably pre YouTube. So he like just figured it out himself, right? <laughs> dad strength. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we built our own house, which I, I do not recommend people do <laughs> <laughs> with their spouse. <laughs> It's so hard, but but anyways, we did that, and now um, we we have two two boys. Um, Julian, he's four years old, and Aston is two years old. So we're the next phase of life, raising kids and um, having like I have a really great marriage, and 
balancing all that stuff with running the business. It's um, we're deep in it right now. Like I feel like I'm in like the 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 greatest point in life where you know it's just constant something and yeah. I'm learning to embrace that. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I feel you. I feel you. We're right behind you. You have a two year old and a six week old, so we're. Uh... Oh. Perfect. Yeah, yeah we're right right in the weeds and business is growing and families you know is fun and um we just my wife and i were built we just built a cabin um in washington so i didn't i didn't do all the work i did some of the like i did the plumbing the wiring some framing You're some roofing than me. yeah yeah I did, everybody was like don't do drywall so i outsourced the drywall but yeah definitely like life is full on right now and it's it's super yeah. fun and um man you know like kids are so rewarding it's it is so much fun that's the coolest thing ever i love being a dad yeah it's it's probably you know when, when people tell you that you're like uh-huh 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 and then you have kids and you're like oh my gosh i get it like this is wild <laughs> yeah, it's cool to see how um how you change also and how people have to basically rise to the occasion but you're doing it constantly and you're checking yourself and I'm super aware that my sons watch everything I do and they they watch how I respond to things they watch the way I talk my uh like Julian will end up my four-year-old like he repeats things I say like he calls people dude now sometimes <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh listens <laughs> to everything and uh but I really love that challenge. Like I'm, I'm, I'm accepting it with open arms because it just makes you want to be a better person. And it really makes you check yourself constantly, which I think is such a healthy thing to do. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. When your kids repeat something that you said, or, you know, you're on the phone with customer support with, you know, Comcast or whatever else. And they're like, why did you say that? And you're like, Oh, <laughs> I think, I think I think it was my daughter who asked me why we didn't thank Alexa. And it was one of those things where I was like, first of oh, all, this is super know. weird that like we're talking about an AI he, like robot that's in our living room. Like that whole thing is like kind of weird to begin with still to me. But the fact that like we just demand things from Alexa, you know, Alexa, play this, you know, and it's like my daughter will be like, Alexa, will you please play Macklemore? And I'm like, oh, man, she's such a better human than I am. Like <laughs> when the AI robots come, they're going to like spare Sienna because she said please and thank you to her. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like I'm pretty convinced that we are born better. <laughs> we slowly deteriorate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, have to always, like, you have to try. Totally. Totally. There was there was a uh, a side tangent. There was a great uh, Instagram post. I think it was on. Oh man, it was on either on like I think it was like the Fat Jewish or F Jerry, some inappropriate Instagram account. But it was t it like basically talked about how great it would be if you live life backwards, you know, and how like you're old and you can barely walk, and then on your first day you get a gold watch, and then you have all this money, and then you know it gets better and better, and then you like come out of retirement, and then you're a kid, and then you're youth, and then you have no worries, and then you're like in the womb for nine months, and I was like that is. So true. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. Well, I mean, you, you know, we, we do to great as humans, but at the same time, like it's, it's, um, I think as adults, we get the opportunity to scale and to use, you know, our lives and our businesses for good. And I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, I know a little bit about M22 and the good works you're doing, but how do you, how do you think about kind of giving back and, and using your business to help improve the world around you? Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of angles to that from, you know, what you actually do with, like, the money you generate from your business down to uh, how you manage your employees. Um, there, there's a lot of sides to that. But <clears throat> from, from day one, 
when you know we started with kiteboarding. So like kiteboarding, you are naturally really tied to nature. Like you are outside, you're using the wind, you're in the water, you're on the beach, you're, you see, you know, if there's garbage on the beach, you see it right away. You're you're all you're immersed in nature. So right away when we started on twenty two, um, we had and it, this was sort of off like the. You know, the way they always gave back because we always bought the, the pads to support that whole idea and um we don't donated we said we donate one percent of our gross sales so not profits yada yada like what yeah. we did that year gross sales we're going to donate whether we had a good year or love not. that love that and, and you know some people don't understand that really they're like one percent can't you do more it's like actually it's <laughs> more than you think totally, totally. <laughs> But um, so it was right, right off, right out of the gates when we started on 22. We said, okay, let's let's do this with this business because it's like represents this area. It represents like everything people love about this area and why there's such a connection here. And giving back to the Lilona Conservancy made perfect sense. And so we had, um, and I and I believe also like that positive mojo from the beginning is a reason why we are where we are now. Like, that's there's something to that so uh that that was always a big part of it for us and we're just like naturally my brother and i are like i i call us like kind of like to keep things simple and like to minimize what we're doing so like that just obviously just naturally um, happens in our business the way we deal with uh, products and waste and all, all of it so it's um and in that work, that's cool because it inspires all the you know the young kids that we hire that work down on the floor. They see that and they're a part of that. And that you know it just feeds itself. Totally, totally. I believe in that hundred percent. I think what you guys are doing right. I mean, you do three percent or something like. Yeah, we do something ludicrous where it's you know <laughs> we for a while. For a while, you know, for a while there, when we we, uh, we had a bike line back in the day that we were selling to REI, and the way the numbers kind of shook out, it was we were at one point giving 5% of our revenue, and it was kind of one of those things where we had this year where we had given 5%, we were profitable, we had tripled our business, and so we're like, yeah, we can totally do this. And then our team members were like, hey, can we get paid more? You know, and it was kind of this, like, you know, one of, you know, one of the mistakes looking back was, you know, I was so enthralled with like, how do we leverage this business to help others around the world? And it's like, whoa, if we don't actually take care of our own employees, like we will never be able to take care of anybody. And, and one of our great advisors, Dennis Madsen, he was um, former CEO of REI. He, he was like, Ryan, you got to like, he's like, I don't know if it's 1% or 3% or something, but he's like, you have to change the model because if you don't take care of your team, like you won't have a company to run, you know, and you won't be able to give it all. And so that was kind of a checkpoint for us and, um, you know, a healthy kind of conversation. It's got that to we balance. It's yeah. got to make sense. It's got to be enough for you to feel good, right about it. Totally. And it's got to be enough for you to not sink yourself. Obviously, totally. Because if you're not there, then you're not going to be able to do anything for the next hundred percent, hundred percent. And we, we, I think, you know, if I'm honest with myself, we had this pride around the, you know, the percentage or whatnot. And then yeah. the reality is, as you know, most consumers don't know the difference between revenue and profit. 
They're right. just, you know, because a lot of companies are like, we give 10% of profit, we give 100% of profit. Well, if you're not yeah. profitable, then, you know, unfortunately, 100% of zero is still zero, right? Like, exactly. So top line revenue, like much respect to anybody that takes on that challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's, you know, I'm, I just believe if you do it right, like it's going to work. And when it, when you, there's a lot of schnicey things out there that people twist things to make it seem like it, it's more than it, it is what it is. But we live in a time now like consumers aren't dumb. Totally. Like, people are smart. They want transparency. They can see through. They, they know what's real and what's fake. Totally. And, 100%. <laughs> and now that you know, it, all, it all works out in the end for us that are, are truly trying to do it right. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what's uh, how do you what do you guys how do you guys think about distribution? Are you mostly online? Are you in retailers around Michigan? Like, what's what does yeah, it evolve so, to? Um, we still our main thing is we we have our a downtown Traverse City store. That's like our our headquarters. We have all of our offices right above our shop. That's like the main thing. That's where everything happens. We meet meet for all our meetings and have all our fun there. Um, and the shops are great. You know, the, the retail store is awesome. We have a retail store out in Glen Arbor, which is a you know, 45 minute drive from Traverse City, which is a, um, a busy town in the summer. That's a fully branded M22 store that does really awesome. And then we have six, seven, eight ish stores locally that we wholesale to. And then there's another 40 or so that we wholesale to more downstate across the state of Michigan. Um, so that's like our, our main um, retail setup. And then we also um, have an online presence for sure. Like you've seen our social media stuff. And, yep. um, we have a pretty solid online store. So we like that. And we do it all ourselves. We don't have a fulfillment center or anything. Like when you go on M22 and order a t-shirt or a hat or whatever, like Nate down in the basement is going to pack that hat up and like yes. put a note in there for you. And, and like we're going to ship that out. And, oh man, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we really like that, though, that being involved in the process like that. I'm not saying that every business can do that or should do that. For what we are and the size we're at, it's it's totally practical. It works. So. Totally, totally. You know, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm eternally convinced that if you sell a quality product and you show up regularly and you serve your customers, you will have some scalable success, right? And so... I constantly run into accounts where like, oh, we were with so-and-so and they just never got back to us or like they had some, we had some damaged product or they printed it wrong or you know the, the product wasn't right and they just didn't get back to us so they didn't fix it. Like they didn't fix it. Like, man, serving the customer, there's so many businesses out there that don't serve the customer and it seems so obvious, you know, and yet it doesn't happen. So um, yeah, people want to, they want to ask you probably like, how, what's the key to your yeah. success? It's what's like, the secret? <laughs> I work. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Yeah, my it's funny. I was chatting with my grandma. Uh, you know, my grandfather and my grandmother started a, a business on the West Coast, um, and it's interesting. I was having lunch with her, and and she was we were just talking about the business and how it grew, and and she um, I was telling one of our uh, board members today about you know this conversation, and she said, you know, Brian, your grandfather and I f- found out that the harder we harder we work, the luckier we got. And I was just like, there it is, you know, like everybody needs to hear that, you know, <laughs> they're like, what's your secret? How did you get so lucky overnight success? And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. So true. Oh man. Oh, that's such a good story. I love that you guys are growing and you're having, having good success and that you're healthy and the fam's doing well. Likewise, uh, I mean, I gotta, I gotta give you guys a shout out and props. I mean, that's, it's one of the nicer products that, um, 
we've seen <laughs> you guys have a great product. It's oh, like, thank you. Which, which I mean, obviously, our businesses are are like like minded after the discussion and learning from you, and um, it's like I love finding partnerships like that. Oh, cool. I mean, I mean that that's like music to my ears. If I'm gonna go to my store and. I'm going to give one of my buddies I haven't seen in a long time, like a birthday gift or something. I'm going to grab a mirror camp mug <laughs> yes, with M22 logo on it. And that's what I'm going to give away. And I, because I feel so good about that. It's such like all the way through. It's such a good product. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we work hard and there's, um, you know, we're in a, we're in a super competitive industry and drinkware and stainless and whatnot. But again, you know, like, I think attention to detail matters. I think quality product matters. I think story matters. And I think serving the customers, you know, matters as well. And so, I mean, we just love working with, with you guys and, um, you know, helping your business grow. Like your success, we see like your success is our success, you know. And so yeah. for us, it's huge. I, I got to get out to Traverse City, man. Everybody keeps talking about it. So bring, bring the family out here. I know, you know, we're, we're actually thinking about doing a bit of a road trip of, um, you know, either like renting an RV or like buying an Airstream temporarily and kind of doing some customer visits next year. Uh, I'm just road tripping it. So we're real similar places in life right now. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> I know we got to connect. We got to connect. Yeah. You should, you should check it out make sure you come in the summertime. I mean, you come whenever you want, but, um, it's definitely the, the Great Lakes thrive in the summer. It's just, it's unreal. I've heard there's white sandy beaches, which is the greatest it's kept secret scary. of Michigan, right? It's one of those places where, and one of my favorite things to do is have people come here that have never been. Like when we were in the kiteboarding world, we had these guys fly from Maui, from all over the place. They would come to Michigan. You could just tell they would all be like, dude, I got to go to Michigan, right? Like feel like, why am I <laughs> Michigan? And people get here and trip out. And I love seeing that, you know, where you'll be watching a sunset with them, like on the beach afterwards. And after a couple of days, they're like, I got to tell you, I was picturing like brown, crappy water. And like, <laughs> like, I don't know, whatever. And it's like beautiful blue and there's forests everywhere. And the people are super nice. And oh, yeah. Desolate. Like, it's not what you expect, and I think that's why you know it is, and it's why it's getting gaining popularity. Also, it's because it is such a natural wonder, yeah. really. That's awesome. Well, hey, how do how do people find you? You know, people who aren't in Michigan, how do they how do they connect them twenty two? So yeah, I mean, um, we have a our main thing that we do socially is Instagram m twenty two life and. Uh, Allie runs that account right in our office. We do everything internally. It's not like a robot or something running our Instagram account. <laughs> but we post, we have, we, you know, we have some pretty quality content. We've always believed in that. It's, um, Instagram's a great way. Check out our website, m22.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to check it out. And if they want to come kite, are you still doing, are you still doing coaching or are you... We, we don't do coaching anymore. Right. It kind of faded out. We still kite all the time personally. And, uh, you know, we have we have crews of guys. I can definitely point people in the right direction. If they want to come out, reach out to me, and I can point Perfect. them in the right direction. But, um, Perfect. If I'm on the water, I'm just doing it for myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally fair. You deserve it. Between babysitting. And all <laughs> that. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Cool. Well, Matt, it's been a real pleasure connecting with you. Thanks for all the the tips and the, uh, you know, the secrets to, you know, running a business and a su- successful life. <laughs> I appreciate sure. it. I really enjoyed this. Great to meet you. And I, I hope we do connect in person. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make a point to do it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode.